Welcome, everybody. This is The Zero Hour. A podcast about life's critical moments. This is your co-host, Mark Fiertz. And I'm Christine Chapman. Good day, everyone. Christine, how are you? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you? You know, feeling uh, feeling sprightly, uh, as I always do. It's a good day. Woke up, feeling happy. Well, today we've got an amazing guest on the Zero Hour, and I wanted to take a moment to introduce her. She's a dear friend and a goddess who is a community builder, a spiritual healer, a safe space creator and provider, an author, um, a self-proclaimed corporate dropout gun goddess. Ooh, interesting. I want to hear more about that. I would love for us to welcome Jen Gulbrand. Hey, Jen. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me here today. Our pleasure. Jen, there is so much that you have done, and I'm sort of struck by the corporate dropout gone goddess title that you have sort of adopted over the years. And perhaps you can start by telling us a little bit about all of the amazing things that you're doing. Well, I would love to. Thank you for the opportunity, Christine. Of course. So, yes, I spent 35 years leading health and wellness businesses. And the last, I guess, 21 of those, I had I had launched my own sales training company in the life sciences space. I think I was around 35 when I did that. And I ran that business for 21 years. Oh my God. I think we had, I know, I started when I was 12. No, (laughs) yeah. So um, I had, I don't know, around 40 employees around the country. And, you know, it's so interesting because the business, sort of the entrepreneurial part of that always really energized me. I love being a visionary and, and strategizing and coming up with ideas. But once the actual company was running and underway, I, you know, I start to get a little itchy um, for the next big thing. And during that time, I mean, it supported my family, of course, and it supported my employees and their families. But it started to not feed my soul as much. And I was really being drawn to a more like, I would say, holistic lifestyle I, I got into meditation and yoga and breath work, and I started to realize how much it was, how important it was to me to sort of build and create community. I'm actually meditating so right now. You can't see me, but I'm meditating <laughs> yes. right now. Yes, he is. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah, that's when I decided to sort of take a big leap of faith. And uh, Well, I guess it would have been my second leap of faith, really, because yeah. I started the organization. But in 1996, to, to open that SheBreeze um, Women's Collaborative, which is really where I kind of started to shift in this different direction to promote a, a, a community for a focus on self-care and sisterhood and support. And, and then the rest is history from there. Right. <laughs> so after that, so after that, I sold I sold a sales training company at the end of 20, in 2019, and launched um, the We Breathe Wellness Studio, which was I just really expanded across the hall from my from my She Breathe space, and I my intention there was to hold safe, supportive space for growth and healing for everyone to come, regardless of. Uh, how you identified, right. and to 
So I like tripled the space and added full service spa and co working and cafe and all kinds of beautiful things. And it's such course, a beautiful time- space, Jen. <laughs> Thank it's, it's you. The gorgeous. timing was a little off. The timing was a little off because, of course, the COVID um, COVID shut down, shut us down about two weeks after I signed the lease. But hey, you know. We're still here. You got to roll, right? You got to roll with the punches. You got to roll. Life throws That's you lemons. Right. What do you make? Lemonade. Yeah, there you go. So tell us a little bit about, I know that you have a book that is just about to come out. And I'm curious because I believe it is entitled Embodying Our Essence or Embody Your yeah. Essence. Embody your essence. Yes. Break patterns of suffering to reclaim your joy. Where did that come from? Like, did you wake up one morning and and think to yourself, oh, my God, I've got to write this book? Was it a work in progress? Was there a um, zero hour that led to this book? (laughs) That's so interesting. I've, I've been giving that some thought. So I have always loved to write, and I think I secretly... I don't know. I think it was just one of those things. I didn't really answer that calling of the heart, as I call it, for many, many years. Um, I would write blogs and I would write, you know, my training courses and that kind of thing. But I never really wrote for my own um, well-being, I would say, until the last couple of years. And then, I don't know, that I started to write and I started to write. And at the same time, I had made this shift and I was learning more about... In my coaching career, I mean, my coaching practice, excuse me, I, I went ahead and in, enrolled in a somatics therapy practitioner program. I really wanted to learn more about trauma and how it impacts us as human beings and how that is woven into our lives. And, we, you know, when we don't address it, how it can really uh, prevent us from moving forward in a way that we would all like to. And so I just started to write, and it became much bigger than I had anticipated that it would. I think it was really started more as a sort of self, um, self-reflection. self mm-hmm. And then I realized I had a story to tell and that I actually, even more importantly, had a responsibility to tell it. Because in the work that I do, I teach people all the time about, um, you know, being more embodied in their in their physical you know, physical body, their stoma or their body. And because we live so much in our heads all the time and we are not so much in the present moment. We get lost in that kind of monkey mind stuff. And I had learned myself how valuable it was to drop from my head into my heart and into my body and to really listen to the messages that were within me, the wisdom that was within me. And so I felt like I had to write this story of my own so that I could help other people maybe to find the courage to share their truths and their stories because there's so much healing in it when we can, you know, show up in that sort of vulnerable state and and share our truths. And we not only heal ourselves, but we start to heal each other because people resonate with those stories. If that makes sense. Yes. It does. All right. So I have one of three questions to ask. Uh, So for myself and others who may not be familiar with words like mindfulness and embodiment and energy and semantics, could you give me 
an idiot's guide to what that means to to us, to your everyday life. Like how do I how do I ingratiate those things to I guess feel better, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so that's a, a lot of different things, but yes. let me try. I'll do my best, Mark. So mindfulness, um, I w- I'm going to start there because I believe that's where this all starts and stops. Mm-hmm. So I always say to people, are you mindful or is your mind full? And how do you tell the difference, right? right? So our mind is this beautiful tool that we have, and we use it for problem solving because we're really socialized to be thinking and strategizing and getting stuff done, right? But our mind is not so great at settling down and being with kind of where what's here and now in the present moment. I think we spend like 47% of our time with our minds thinking about the past or the future, but not really staying in the present. And about 80% of our time we spend worrying, which is just such a lot of wasted energy. Um, that's 95% of my time is spent <laughs> okay, worrying. Okay, right? Yeah. Right? So, so mindfulness is simply this... This practice of bringing your attention to the present moment and and experiencing it without judging yourself or judging the situation. So really being more fully aware of who we, where we are in that moment and what we're doing and trying not to react so much. Um, and mindfulness is just this incredible tool because when we can learn to be in that present moment, we can reduce our stress, our anxiety, we can enhance our focus and just can be more clear. So- so, Jen, I, I have, like, I guess, PTSD from, I don't know, growing up in Long Island, right, where – and just my own self-reflection, I'm always nervous about something, kids, school, work, health, life, car accidents, who yeah. knows, pandemics, right? Um, sure. Can anybody be mindful or add in their mindfulness or is it – one of these things that takes years to understand and read, and you have to sit on top of a mountain and freeze in the cold <laughs> weather, you know. <laughs> like, can anyone do this? Of course they can. Anyone can meditate. So, uh, I'm sorry, we're talking about me- mindfulness, but uh, but for me, the, the I believe that the most effective way to practice mindfulness, I would say there's two. One is being conscious of your breath. Right. So our breath is this tool that we all have and none of us think about it. And it resides right within us. And it it has so much power to literally physiologically calm us down. And so the first thing I do with everyone is I teach them how to breathe because most people don't breathe properly. We we do what's called sort of chest breathing, Mm -hmm. especially when we're anxious. We breathe, you know, we breathe in through our chest instead of what we call belly breathing or abdominal breathing, which is slowly inhaling through your nose and expanding your belly first and then bringing the air up to your chest, heart, and lungs and then exhaling. And as you exhale, you literally bring your belly button into your spine and you release that breath, that energy, and all the negativity. I just tried so to I breathe through my belly. And yeah? I, 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 I tried. I don't know if so, it worked. So if you put your hand on your belly yeah. and you breathe, and you inhale through your nose and you literally let your belly push out into your hands and then you push the air up into your lungs, and then as you exhale, you do it in the, in the reverse direction. So the air, you go through your mouth, right? You sigh through your mouth. The air goes out and then down out of your belly. So it's like, think about it like, a, um, oh gosh, 
I'm trying to think. Remember those, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like a ball that expands as you breathe in, and as you exhale, the ball contracts. Sure, sure. Okay, so so breath work is the very first thing I teach everybody, and it's amazing. You can do it anywhere, at any time. You can breathe. That was my next question. And you can, and you can calm yourself down without anybody knowing. So Breath work is the first thing I teach everyone. And then I usually say meditation, and everyone runs in the opposite direction because they think they can't do it. But meditation is, I think, the, the, the most effective way to practice mindfulness. And here's the key word, Mark, practice. Practice. It's something that you have to learn to do. And some days it's really successful, and other days it's not. And you just let that go, and you go back to it the next day. Because you really can learn this practice. Anyone can. You don't have to sit on top of a mountain, and you don't have to wear these long robes and mala beads. You can do it anywhere. Thank you. Um, maybe maybe you can get Mark to take me uh, to take me up on the offer to to start yoga. Because honestly, that is where my uh, mindfulness happens. Right. Yes. The idea yoga of being great. in like meditative motion. Right is with basically what with your breath is why I do yoga so that I can get out yoga of my is head. Fantastic. Well, isn't that why I yes. run? Right to but 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 exactly to on run some out level. Of breath. In some level, on some level, you're already being mindful. Right? Yes, you just absolutely. aren't necessarily you're calling it that. Right? Okay. Yeah, you're choosing an activity right. to, to be right. in the moment that? to get out of. Okay, and the and the other thing I want to say about meditation this is just kind of interesting because I love throwing these facts around. We actually have like 80,000 thoughts a day as humans. Do we really? I missed that. Yes, but 80,000 thoughts a day. But most of those thoughts are repeated thoughts. It's my OCD. Right. So once (laughs) we've had a thought, we really don't need it anymore. It no longer serves us. But we continue to these patterns in our mind. The what ifs and the worry and the what if that happens and so meditation, it allows us to sit in stillness and to be present and to not judge. And it gives us that space, to your point, Christine, to connect your body with your mind and your spirit. And that's what yoga does as well. So right. does Qigong and any of these kinds of mindful movement exercise practices because you're literally uh, you're connecting your, your breath to your body. I and have it, a it just follow-up question. You. Jen. Okay. How okay. does one know... When you're connected, your body to your mind, to your breathing, to your belly, to your mindfulness, how, is there is there a ding, you know, in your head? Like, how does like I think? <laughs> no. The like, how do you know that there's not? Well, the goal is that there is not a thing in your head. Okay. So, so this is where the practice comes into play. So you're breathing, right, and you're practicing a meditation, um, or a you know, a, or a meditation practice, or a body movement practice, and you're breathing. And for all of us, your head's going to start with thoughts and they're going to swirl around and you're not going to be thinking about what you're doing in, in that moment. Like, you know, when you, you know how you drive a car and you don't even remember where you, like, you get to your destination and you yeah. don't remember driving or sure. getting there? That's, that's like being disembodied. <laughs> we don't want that. So what, so when you practice, when you practice mindfulness or breath work or mindful movement, you're going to start to have those thoughts, but you consciously let the you just ask the thoughts to pass by, kind of like a cloud, and you don't attach to them, and you don't judge them. You just be like, oh, that's a nice thought, and I'm going to let it go. Right, and so you, you notice your thought, and you yes. acknowledge it, and then you let it go. 
Like, right. oh, and, I was thinking oh, about this project that has me stressed out. I'm right. noticing that it has me stressed out, and now I'm going to let it go. So I've been practicing, practicing mindfulness since I'm like 16, right? No, I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> but, but, okay, Pause. all right, you understand, validate, well, validate, recognize your, your thoughts and, you know. But there's one more thing I want to say about that. If you don't, if you, you can just bear with me one second. So here's how you know when you've gotten there. You're not attaching to the thoughts and you're focusing on your breath only. And when you can focus on your breath only and on being in that present moment, you will, after practicing this and getting really good at it, as I say, of emptying your mind, you may start to get downloads. You might start to get like, and by downloads, I mean, you know, deep meanings. Like you might get, you might be like, oh, like clarity, right? You might get a download of some clarity of something that you've been trying to prop, to prop, to solve. Or you might say, you might just see color or you might just feel this sense of like relaxation over your body. But whatever it is that happens, you don't attach to it. You just allow it. And that's how you know you've gotten there. If that makes any sense. That makes that does, that a does ton make sense. of sense. Yeah. Uh, I've never gotten there, right? I feel like yeah. I need to get there. I feel like we run ourselves ragged, we stress, yep. we don't eat lunch, or you eat lunch at your desk, or you eat lunch in your car, driving to meeting to meeting, and you don't spend enough time with your, I'm saying the right thing, like your mental health, like your, yeah, your mind-body health. Yeah. yeah, Your spiritual health. Your yeah. spiritual health. Yeah. 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 And your well-being. I like to use the word well-being because, to me, it's like whole body well-being, it's, it's your head, it's your body, it's your spirit, it's, it's all of us. It's, we're not just one-dimensional, you know, creatures. We're very complicated. Well, Jen, <laughs> that brings happens, me... Yeah. Sorry, sorry, go. go ahead. No, no, you go. No, my, so my, so my next question, time. sort of leading into this idea of well-being, is what are your personal habits around caretaking your well-being, for lack of a better expression? Okay, so I my I would say my go-to sort of strategies are, of course, breath work. It starts there for me. Yep. I can, I can calm myself down from any sort of, you know, um, sympathetic fight-or-flight state by just stopping and breathing. So meditation, yoga, and movement. I love Qigong, which is something I got into this year, which is like a martial arts, um, matching your breath to your movement. Um, I really try to eat a healthy diet. Lucky for me, my husband is the cook in our house, but we, we do. We eat healthy. We're not eating out of cans, and we're not eating processed foods. Um, I uh, also surround myself with positive... <laughs> Mark, Mark's making a that's list so not of all the true. things you should stop doing. <laughs> Uh, I just had Burger King in a way here. You did not. Oh, I love I'm you. kidding. Um, I also surround myself with positive people. That's really, really important to me because I'm very sensitive to energy and I pick up on everybody's stuff. So I know who, uh, you know, who's good for me um, in terms of the energy that I want to attract into my life. The thing that I work on but am not so good at, if we're being really truthful, is boundary setting. Yeah. So um, I know how important it is. I teach it to all my coaching clients. But because of the sort of person I am, I do have a hard time 
maintaining boundaries, which is something that we all need to work on because it's very, very important that we have um, boundaries in place to protect our own energy so that we don't get depleted, right? Absolutely. And of course, writing, I would say writing is the other thing that I absolutely love to do. And I love being at the beach and the ocean. So I got a question. Yeah, I, I know what's good for me. <laughs> I got a question, Jen. Boundary settings. Yes. So ah. our boundary, how, how is that defined in like this talk track? Uh, I could define boundary settings differently, right? As I don't want any negativity around me. If you're not, if you're not in support of me or helping me grow, I don't want you in my life. Um, how, how is it defined differently in a spiritual sense or, or you know, related to no, what we're talking no. about today? Uh, that's a very, very good example of a boundary. So, you know, you just said, I know what's, you know, I know what's good for me if, and I know the kind of people that are good for me and those that aren't. And so that's an, an acknowledgement that you have. And now to honor that for yourself and to practice self-care is to, to say just what you said. I am not going to be around people who drain me, deplete me, or make me feel bad about myself. That is a boundary. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like drawing a line in the sand for yourself. It's knowing yourself first, right? Knowing what you need and what you don't need, what's good for you and what's not good for you, spiritually, energetically, physically, and then creating sort of standards for yourself that you're going to hold yourself to. So if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. So you take me as a person who understands all these things, right? So, and you just said like three things. So there's boundary settings spiritually, physically, like metaphysically, um, or is it just like one group that you, we call boundary settings? Because I, I've, I've spoken to before and you're very knowledgeable about this topic. So I was kind of surprised to hear that maybe boundary settings – is difficult, right? When oh, I, I look at you and I go, oh, this woman's got it. She's got it down. You know? Like I don't she, know. Do you, well. <laughs> okay. So, so I find boundary setting incredibly difficult, really? right? Because I'm it's in a so helping hard. profession and so is Jen, yes. right? So when you're in a helping profession, like there were times early on in my career where if a family called me at five o'clock in the morning, I was, I was yeah. up and getting on the phone. Right. Because my job is to help. And I feel really conscious of the fact that I'm working with other people's children and their children are the world to them. And in Jen's case, like she's she's helping people heal from trauma. Right. Or going through difficult times. Absolutely. And I think it's also just your characteristics. Like and, and quite frankly, Christine, people with our similar characteristics tend to gravitate to helping professions because right. of who we are. It's just who we are. But but it isn't necessarily it can get it can be a danger zone, right? We and we have to be aware of that because we can get we can give so much that you have that nothing all left. of our energy is going out and there's nothing and we that's why we always talk about, you know, <laughs> put your mask on first has a whole new meaning now. But yes. that whole concept on the plane of you need to put your mask on first. You can help all the people around you. It's so real. And I think we're so um Ah, I guess socialized to to think that that's selfish, but it's so not. It's so very valuable to be able to understand what you need first so that you can continue to do all the good things you do for other people. 
Well, and, and I would venture to say, Mark, just knowing you, that you are also happen to be <laughs> the kind of guy who would drop everything for a good friend, for somebody. You know what I mean? Like you, you tend to yeah. be a giver as well. Like you're very generous with your time and your resources and like the opportunities to do something nice or to be there for a friend. You know, like that's that's sort of who you are. Yes, but... I have learned that over many years, right, of, right. you know, my excuse for every time I stop, drop, and roll for a friend is, oh, well, you would do that for me. Right. Right? Yeah. Right. You know, that's how Absolutely. I easily, you know, talk about it. Like, but that's would, a good boundary. You would do the same thing for me. It is yeah. a good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And acknowledging that and just understanding why we do what we do sometimes is half the battle, right? Absolutely. Instead of just, instead of just behaving without thought or mind, mindful thought. Jen, you spoke about, you've spoken a lot about making conscious connections and your sort of mission uh, to raise the collective vibration in order to heal the human heart. And I think embody, you know, embodying your essence is part of that. Um, But your whole being is sort of connected to that mission. Can you speak a little bit to that? where it came from, what it means to you today, how you practice it? I would love to. Yeah. Um, So, well, this is interesting because this kind of goes back to my, why I wrote my book and sort of my zero hour and all of that. Um, My inspiration, I think for the work that I do and for the book, came from sort of this contemplation regarding my own life, but also just a desire to, to develop what I, what I, call more conscious connections with the people in my life. So I've been in this energy body for six decades now. And what I've learned is that when you show up authentically and really are willing to expose sort of your vulnerabilities and, and all, all those layers, those deep layers of yourself and your stories and like who you are and what you've experienced and how those experiences have shaped you, when we are when we do that, we begin to heal ourselves and one another. I always um, refer to this quote by Henry David Thoreau, which I think is it's, it's so interesting. We are constantly being invited to be who we are. But if you think about that, how many of us actually accept that invitation to show up authentically when we interact with each other? Like, when do we really feel safe and with whom do we feel safe enough to bring our entire being to a relationship or to a conversation. And so I think about that a lot. And I think we sort of, many of us, we live in a world where we are hiding to stay safe and putting safe in quotation marks there. And, um, And I think it's when we speak our truth to one another, as hard as it is, it's so, so courageous. And when we do that, we, you know, when we show up in a consciously connected way with empathy and authenticity and sort of an understanding of commonalities, I think that's when like the magic begins and we really start to connect with people at a, at a level that is meaningful. If that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And and I I would say that there are very few people like in percentage wise of, you know, total world population that. I agree are at that level, right? Um, because it, it, yeah, go ahead. No, and I was going to say, and, and I think about why that is, and you know, it's hard. Me, I think it's, 
We're, well, we're held back by our own subconscious limiting beliefs, the fears of being misunderstood or being judged exactly. or, or rejected. Not belonging. Yeah, not right? belonging. Facing stuff you don't want to deal we... with. Right. <laughs> Sign me it's up. True. I don't want to deal we... with it. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> right. to we... bury it for as long as I possibly can. Yeah. And then you will never release it, my friend, right? And that's what happens. Right. We yes. suppress. We su- no, no. I know you. Know, we're jesting, but we we suppress the stuff because we're taught to, yep. and then it ne- it goes unresolved for most of our life. Sometimes for all of our lives, and we just pass it on to generation to generation. Which I, what I want to do is get people talking about it, feeling it, healing it, and then moving beyond it, so they can break those patterns of suffering and really change the change the course of how we interact and how we parent and how we socialize. So, Jen. You know, it's kind of a big deal. It <laughs> is a big deal. It's a huge deal. <gasps> so you, you talk about kind of you know, breaking this, this cycle, this momentum, this, you know, people passing it from generation to generation, uh, like a victim of circumstance. Um, in your research and knowledge, at what point is a person's, call it a breaking point, where they're like, I got to fix this. Like, are they thinking about doing harm to themselves or to others? Uh, are they, I can't sleep at night, I can't eat, I can't exercise, I can't breathe, whatever. Like, what? at what point do people have this moment where they're just like, I'm, not that I'm desperate, but, like, I need help. You know, Mark, that's such an interesting question. I think I think it's different for everybody. For everybody, for <laughs> we we all, you know, we all just we we're all so different. I mean, we're so much the same. Yet we're very different in terms of how we cope, how we manage stress, how we even recognize stress, how we carry it in our in our brains and our bodies. So I don't think that there's a cut and dried answer to that. Um, but you know, in my own life. I think the more I learned, the, uh, the more I learned uh, in my studies about the things that happen to us and how we, I guess, how we process them, the more I began to understand myself and the experiences I had, how, how those experiences, you know, got kind of wired with, you know, in my own um, body and mind and how it impacted my decisions that I made and the way that my relationships unfolded. So I think it begins with a self-awareness of I'm stuck. I don't, you know, something isn't right or I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling like I'm fully realizing who I am or what my potential is. But for some people, you know, unresolved trauma can be debilitating. Like they just, they stress, anxiety, depression, suicide ideation, all these things that, are sounds really like becoming, sadly, so much more. <laughs> that sounds like me. What? So you just, except for like <laughs> the suicide stuff, you know, stress, anxiety, depression. Oh, that's that's three quarters of America. That's why pharmaceutical companies are so rich, right? Because well, they have all I these medicines gonna... for that. Oh, uh, don't get me started on that. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, no, because I, you know, I was in that field for so long, and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. Because I mean, I, I'm. I don't even take Tylenol unless I'm really struggling. I feel like there are so many, there are just a lot of really good solutions for people that they should try first, you know, and I'm not going to preach all that. But, you know, there's just so many tools and resources to help people 
the things we're talking about and so many other things to um, rewire your brain, unravel the story, you know, reconnect with yourself and your inner sort of truth so that you can begin to heal from these things instead of continuing to carry it. Jen, how, how do we get in touch with you? How do we, you know, access, embody your essence? Um, tell us a little bit about what we can do, whether, you know, somebody wants to, co- you know, receive coaching sessions, access your beautiful space, um, come to know you better through your publication. And I know you've got another book that you're you're conceiving of. Um, yeah. Okay, so well, I so I own and operate the We Breathe Wellness Center in Walpole, Mass, and that is open to anyone. You don't have to be a member of my of my women's collaborative community. So we're open um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We have co working, and then we have classes in the evenings. We have events on the weekend, so you can always reach me there. You can also learn about my personal practice on JenGalbrand.com. That really talks more, I mean, that you know, that's the information more about me as an individual contributor, my book, my podcast that I host, which is called High Vibes and Grateful Heart. And that's Jen with one N, right? Or two Two, two N's. Two Two N's. N's. All right, just making sure people know. All right. Yeah, Um, but that will, you'll learn more there about my somatic therapy, my trauma work that I do with clients, my empowerment coaching, my energy work, and that kind of stuff. Um, In terms of my book, I, that is, in pre-sale right now, you can order the book through me or pre-order the book through us here by just calling us, or you can pre-order it through Amazon, and it will be released for sale on May 9th. We have a big launch party here at the center on May 8th, which we're really looking forward to. Awesome. Amazing. And um, I'm trying to think what else did you ask me to talk about. Yeah, just basically, We Breathe Wellness is my home-based um my website is jengalbrand.com, and my podcast is High Vibes and Grateful Heart. Fantastic. Do you ever sleep at night, Jen? <laughs> well, that is also something we're working on. You know what happens? <laughs> I, go, I, I go to bed like an old lady by 9 o'clock, but um, well, my so body wakes up relatively early. I, I, Mark, I'm an old you, man. You're an old lady, too? I'm an, old, I'm an old man. I got to sleep by nine. I'm up by six. Maybe it's all the all the mindfulness you do that you just don't need so much rest. I Jen, I, I've seen Jen. I, I've seen Jen on social media at like four o'clock in the morning. Like it's amazing. Oh, don't tell the world those secrets. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I, I. That is one thing I, I could do. I could do better with a little bit more sleep. But if, you know what it is? I'm constantly thinking of the next big thing. Like, to your point, Christine, now I want to do this compilation of stories um, of women here at the center and how they've overcome their challenges. And I'm always thinking about the next thing uh, that I want to be working on. So it's good energy. You were amazing. Thank you so much for spending As time with you. us. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate the opportunity, both of you. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. Thank you. Have a wonderful day changing the world, Jen. You too. And Mark, yes. don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to <laughs> breathe. You know what? If you could see me, I had, I've had my hand on my stomach yes. trying to exhale and blow my stomach out the first time and inhale, touch a belly button to the spine. No, none of it's working. I need help. I need your uh, help, Jen. Okay. I, I think you're doing it in it. reverse, though, Mark. <laughs> you're supposed to inhale and expand your belly and yes. exhale, exhale and get your belly button out. to, yeah, you're doing it in reverse. 
Such there as such well, as next, my life. Next time we'll do a we'll do a breathwork session. We have a breathwork session tonight at seven p.m. See you there. <laughs> See you there. Thanks, Jen. All right, bye. Thank bye. you, Jen. Thank you. Bye bye. That was Jen Galbrand. And we are just so grateful for all of her wisdom and her energy and her her healing. I learned. I learned stuff. You can teach an old dog some new tricks. The mindfulness, the breathing. Like, if I can do the breathing in intense situation, no one knows what I'm doing, I'm doing it. All right. Well, hey, before April is over, maybe I can get you to a hot yoga class. Never. All righty. Well, thank you <laughs> for joining us. I'm Christine Chapman. And this is Mark Fiertz, your co-host. And we're here at the Zero Hour. See you next week.